Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Orange Shoe Podcast. In this episode, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Jordan Syed. He is an author, he is a coach, and his book just hit the shelves. The title of the book is Eat It, and he co-authored it with his good friend, Mike Vacante. This book, I could not recommend any more. If you struggle or have had a hard time figuring out this crazy world of weight loss and diet and working out and nutrition, and you feel like you have had information overload, Jordan's book, Eat It, is perfect to cut through all the bullshit and give you just what you need to understand how to lose weight in an effective long-term manner, right? This is not a quick fix. This is about taking a look at your whole life. How do I lose the weight and how do I keep it off? But this book also does a great job of making you understand that it first starts with your mindset and whether you believe you can actually accomplish the goal that you have in front of you. So I could not recommend this book anymore. And it was such a pleasure talking to Jordan and being able to introduce you guys to him and ask him some questions about the book, but also kind of get some more background information about the book journey and some of the information in it. So without further ado, let's get you to meeting Jordan Syed. But first, here's a quick message from our sponsor. Is your nutrition preventing you from reaching your goals? Do you enjoy eating healthy, but don't enjoy or have the time for all the prep work? If so, then I highly recommend checking out Lean Feast. Lean Feast is the premier meal prep service in the medicine area. They take out all the guesswork and provide you with quick, healthy meals on your schedule. The best part, you get to choose what goes into your meal and how many you purchase. Let's say you struggle with eating healthy lunches during the work week. Then you could go there, purchase five lunches, and eliminate that struggle. The meals take three minutes to warm up via microwave or stovetop, and then they are ready to eat. Season with your favorite spices to add your own little flair. Gone are the days of running to the drive-thru or skipping meals altogether because you failed to plan. Head over to Lean Feast today and use promo code OSPODCAST for 10% off every order. You will not regret this decision. Hey, Jordan. Thanks so much, man, for uh, joining me on the Orange Shoe Podcast. You're a busy dude, and I'm just really excited to be able to chat with you one-on-one, get to know you a little bit more personally instead of on the old social media. So thank you so much for joining me today, man, and thanks for your time. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And so first off, let's go ahead and give all the listeners, I know you, well, it seems like I know you pretty well through social media as much as I can know you. Um, go ahead and give the listeners who may not know you um, just a quick little like intro of yourself. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a short, bald guy who likes to lift weights and uh, help people with their fitness and nutrition. Um, I got into fitness from wrestling. So I started wrestling when I was eight years old. Uh, you know, I come from a very like short and unathletic family. And so my mom wanted my brother and I to be able to defend ourselves. So she was like, I'm going to put you guys into wrestling. And, uh, you know, again, I was eight years old and I was very fortunate. I was like, I'm the black sheep in the family. Like actually I'm very athletic and I love sports. I was, I was the one that was awful in school. Like I was in special education. I, I was not good in school at all, but athletics is always something I gravitated towards. And, um, she walked in the room and she was like, I'm going to put you in wrestling. And at eight years old, the only wrestling that I knew is WWF style wrestling. So I remember I, asked, I, I was like, you want me to hit someone with a chair? And she was like, no, you idiot, like Olympic style wrestling. And I had no idea what that was, but she put my brother and I in it and I fell in love with it. And, and I just, that I was obsessed with it. It's all I thought about. And I ended up making varsity as a freshman in high school. I beat a junior out for the varsity spot and I loved it, but I, I had to cut a lot of weight. So I was cutting from like 112 to 103 pounds every week, uh, multiple times a week. And also I was good from a technique and endurance perspective, but I was uh, not where I needed to be from a strength perspective, especially going up against kids who were mainly three and four years older than I was. So I was, I was 14 and they were 16, 17, 18. So I applied to a gym a couple towns over from me. I was, I was living outside Boston, Massachusetts in a suburb of Boston. And I was like, I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the floors. Like, let me just come and learn from you and intern from you. Like, I don't need to get paid. Like, I just want to learn how to lift weights. And I was very fortunate because they took me under their wing and they also were very science-based with strength training and nutrition. So from 14 years old, I got sucked into that world of science-based strength training and nutrition. And I've been in it ever since. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's kind of how I found my passion for fitness too, is I had a great strength conditioning coach my freshman year of um, high school in football. And, and I actually started loving 
I wasn't like the most talented when it came to football. So I, I liked the practicing. I liked hanging out with my friends, but I actually started realizing I love the weight room aspect and the speed and yeah. agility because now I was the one in control of my destiny and mm. I could see my hard work paying off in those regards, you know? And so I got really, really addicted to that. And then obviously just learning all the science behind it. Cause he was, like you said, very science and like really learning it. Um, just not only just going into the gym, like meatheads, um, it was actually just learning why we were doing things and starting from a great base and building up and stuff. So that's a great way. And talk about wrestling. Wrestling's like, what a great sport to learn just like hard work, yeah. right? And just like putting your head down and just suffering sometimes, you know? And I think that applies to the rest of your life really well. It's like being able to just like suck to suck and like being comfortable, being uncomfortable because you're just put in some nasty situations in wrestling. And I really think that that sport really has a lot of translation into like everyday life. Yeah, it's funny. One of my really good family friends, he owns like a, a many, many, many businesses. But he he was telling me one time uh, that he, if he if he can help it, he tries to hire wrestlers or former wrestlers, mainly just mm -hmm. because he he was like, no one works harder than wrestlers. Like they're, <laughs> they're they're very used to being put in uncomfortable situations and continuing to fight, continuing to work through. And uh, and obviously, it's not just wrestlers who do that. Many people in the world uh, are continue to fight and work through very difficult situations. But for someone to to go through many years of wrestling, it's it's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. That person is usually uh, very dedicated, very loyal, and they're they're ready to go through hell for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you got after you got out of high school and stuff, what really led you to take that path? Then with uh, with like you know schooling, did you go to school? Um, you know, exercise physiology, kinesiology, like what was your kind of path when it came to like certifications and just like you obtaining knowledge about what you wanted to do? Yeah. So, so one of the best parts about the internship in high school that from 14 to 18 is they just started giving me books. This is before Instagram existed. This is before, like, this was, they sort of give me books from people like Eric Cressy, Dan John, Pavel Tsatsoulin, Joel Jamieson, some like the, the big, big, big players, Louis Simmons, uh, some like old Russian textbooks of, of weightlifting and nutrition, uh, Alan Aragon, uh, Lyle McDonald, just so, some of the, the most science-based fitness professionals in the world. And I would just, I was reading books all the time. So without me even realizing what they were doing is they were teaching me how to learn and research on my own. And, and so I was not good in school. And I, I look back and I think it was mainly because I wasn't interested in the topics, but I knew I didn't want to go to college right away. So I actually took a year off between high school and college. I went to Israel for a year. Uh, I volunteered with Holocaust survivors and I just traveled for the year and it was amazing. Um, but I continued to coach people. So I actually, when I was living in Tel Aviv, I opened up like a beach boot camp for locals mm -hmm. and it was just, I just did it for free. I was like, yeah, two times a week, we'll go down to the beach. I brought a bunch of these like uh, nylon drawstring bags and I filled them up with sand and we did sandbag workouts on the beach for free. And I was like, I love this. Like, I love coaching people. I love putting through workouts and, and, uh, the human connection with it. So I was like, all right, I definitely want to continue with this. And I was planning on joining the Israeli Defense Forces, but my mom said she would fucking kill me. So, uh, <laughs> so I came back to the states, and uh, I went to some college. badasses too. Oh man, uh, yeah, yeah, just like my time in the military, and just like reading books about diff different <laughs> military, and like it just all the different special operations in different countries and man, some serious badasses. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a lot of friends who were in them and who are still in them today. And so when I was, I was living there when I was 18, when they, they all have to go into the army when they're 18. And so, uh, I like I, a lot of my friends were going and I was like, I need to do this. And my mom was like, no, I'll, I'll absolutely kill you. So you have to come <laughs> back. And, uh, and so I, in my mind, I was like, all right, I'll come back and then I'll join the IDF later. But I ended up going to school and I initially joined for exercise science but I had just spent four years interning at an incredible gym, learning on my own, reading a ton of books, and then practicing on my own after that. Then one year after continuing to research on my own and coach people. And by the time I got to exercise science in, in university, it sucked. Like the teachers were awful. They had never coached anybody. They were teaching things that were severely outdated. Uh, and, you know, my whole family is, is like professors and teachers and superintendents. Like my whole family are teachers. And so they always get mad when I say this, but like, I, I make jokes. I'm like, those who can't do teach. And, uh, like there obviously are amazing professors and teachers out there, but, um, in my experience at my school and in my program, it was awful. They, they were tenured professors. They had no incentive to keep up with the research. Uh, so I ended up dropping out of, of exercise science. And I went into behavioral health psychology 
which actually turned out to be an amazing decision because in exercise science, they're, they're teaching you what they believe to be the, the most up-to-date principles for strength training and, and for exercise, never mind the fact that it's very outdated. But I had already been doing that for five years at that point. And what I realized was, is you could have the best workout in the world. You could have the best program. You could have the best nutrition plan, but if the person's not following it, then it doesn't matter. And I realized that like a, a B, B minus program that someone follows consistently is way better than an A plus program that someone follows inconsistently. And, and this for me really led to understanding, like I need to understand the psychology and human behavior aspect of why people are making the decisions they're making. Basically, you know, everyone knows that you, you have an apple and a donut which one is going to be probably the better option for you, especially for weight loss, a hundred, a hundred out of a hundred people will tell you that the apple is probably the better choice. But if you go to those same 100 people and you and they all want to lose weight and you say, Hey, here's an apple or a donut you can choose. They're not all going to choose the apple, right? I mean, we, we see on, uh, on a box of cigarettes, there's a skull and a crossbones on it. It says it's going to kill you. <laughs> and not only do people continue to smoke, but every like today people will go buy their first box of cigarettes, even though they know it, it will kill them if they continue to do it. So it's not a, an issue of knowledge. Most of the time with our health and fitness is there's deeper, deeper rooted and deep seated issues that I don't think many people understand or discuss. So I switched to behavioral health psychology to understand the psychology and behavioral reasons of why people are making the decisions they're making. And that was a really good decision for me. And so that's what I went to school for. That's what I got my degree in. And, uh, and I started my online business while I was in my college dorm room, which you know, I didn't know it was an online business at the time. It was 2011. I had, this was before Instagram existed. It was before people were doing online coaching. I just started writing articles on my website and, and posting little strength lessons on, on Facebook. Every day I would post what I called a strength lesson. And, um, and I did that for like three years before this woman, woman from Brazil reached out to me and she followed me and she said, how much do you charge for online coaching? And I was like, I don't know, 300 bucks. And she was like, cool. How do I pay you? And I was like, holy shit, this random woman wants to pay me 300 bucks for an online program. So I like, I Google searched, how do you make online payments? And I found this thing called paypal.com and I got that and I sent her the link and I was like, there's no way she's going to send me $300 from, you know, a, a different country so I can write her a training program. And then I it said, I got a notification. I got 300 bucks in my account. I was like, I, I lost my shit. I could not believe it. <laughs> So I, I went to, uh, there was a cafe at the school that I went to. The cafe was called Brew Ha Ha. So I, for, for the entire weekend, I sat down for, for over, like for 48 hours straight. I just worked on her program, her training and nutrition. I was, you know, I had to come up with the whole design for the program. I, not, not only the actual plan, but I wanted to make it look nice and professional. I didn't want her to know she was my first ever online client. <laughs> so I wanted to make it look really good. And I was so worried because after I sent it to her, I thought she was going to send it back and say, I want a refund. And I sent it to her and she was like, this looks great. Thanks. I'm excited to get started. And like, I was like, holy shit. Like, I can't yeah. believe that just happened. And that was the beginning of, of building an online fitness business. Yeah, that is awesome, Jordan. Like, I love that you, I had a very similar experience with the whole college thing, because it's like you before I was even went to college. I was already doing a lot of training myself. Like I learned a lot from my strength and conditioning coach was doing, I mean, even before social media, there was still a ton of ways to learn by yourself. Just start picking up some books. Like mm -hmm. reading is the quickest and easiest way to learn everything for free. Go to your local library, get a library yeah. card and go to town. And um, so I was already doing a bunch of that stuff and I was already coaching people. I was coaching people in my army unit. And all that, I was already getting that experience. And so when I went to college, um, because I was like, well, I, I got done with my deployments from school or from the military. And I was like, you know what? Well, the military says they're going to pay for my college. So might as well use it. Right. Yeah. So, so let's go to college. And so while I was going to college. I was help coaching at, um, at a couple of gyms and I would just go there part-time and just drive back and forth coach and then go to my classes. And I realized that I was learning nothing. <laughs> I was like everything they were talking about, I already knew, or I felt like I knew how to do it better. Like yep. you're saying, it's outdated. I'm like, no, you would never do it that way. And then for me, knowing that I wanted to be a trainer, you know, a lot of the, the college stuff was very just sciencey, like stroke volume and stuff that <laughs> like, you know, no one, you're not going to tr personal train somebody and start talking about their stroke volume Correct. in the middle of their city. Right? <laughs> so it's like, okay, this is all good stuff for me to like, like, it's good to understand the human body and capabilities and understand. But like, at the end of the day, like, I'm going to be a personal trainer. Like I, I need to know movement and like you said, behavioral health, like that I would, I wish that's something that um, I would have taken, right? Because that's yeah. just, it's, it's a skill I've developed and I'm always working on, but I think that is such a key component to personal training. And 
I could totally probably do a completely another podcast with you just jamming on how do we get personal trainers better in general? Yeah, because absolutely. schooling, I always tell people like if they want to become a trainer, they're like, oh, which school, like which school should I go to or what degree should I get? And I go, tell you the truth, you don't have to go to school to Correct. be a personal trainer. Like I would say like find somebody that you really trust that's already a trainer and just start like getting in the gym, watching them coach, you know, and just getting your hand, like finding some people that you could train for free and yeah. just screwing up, stubbing your toe, realizing you don't know how to teach, teach the kettlebell swing. And now you got to go back and figure it out and you can learn a lot. And I think there are some now with the internet, there are so many different online courses, certifications that you could take for a 10th of the cost of going to college and learn so much and become such a, a such a great personal trainer. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the best thing, like you said, get an internship. And if yeah. that means like essentially being a, an assistant, getting their coffee when they want it, you know, whatever it is, cleaning the gym, like if you, if you have that option, especially if you're really young, you know, out of high school, early college, whatever, like do that. If, you know, mm -hmm. if you're a little bit older, you've got a family, like, that's obviously a different, uh, different situation. And you can't always just give up your time for free like that, but there are other options as well. But I think the best thing you could do is go intern for someone, mm -hmm. uh, for a great coach and, and just, you know, do whatever they need and, and learn from them and watch them and ask them questions. Yeah. That's the big thing I was to say, ask them a shit ton of questions. That's going to be the way to go. So thanks Jordan for the introduction, man. Um, so you just had, I just want to say congratulations. Thank you just you. dropped a book, man. You're an author. You and your good friend, Michael Vacante, you guys wrote a book, which to me seems insane to think about writing a book. So I just want to say congratulations. Thank you. Came man. out. I got it in the mail June 21st. We got it <laughs> circulating through our gym in Wanakee, Wisconsin. Our clients are reading it. Um, they're really excited. I'm excited. And just one reason I really liked the book and one reason I really kind of like got, a, you know, started following you on social media. I found you right before, right? Like right during or right before the pandemic. And I think it was, you made me laugh in general. So like anytime you can connect with somebody, I think for me, laughter is huge. Like if someone can make me laugh, like it just breaks down that wall and you just take a very like no bullshit, just kind of dressing up in costumes, acting like different people and just having fun with how you disseminate your information. Mm. So that connected me. And then, um, and I think the first video I ever watched, my wife actually stumbled upon it. She's like, yo, you got to watch this dude. One, he's funny. She's a trainer as well. Um, and she was like, and what he's saying is like really awesome. And it was, you know, talking about how most people are waiting for motivation, right. To take mm -hmm. action, get results. And it's actually action and results motivate, you know? And I was like, oh my God, it's such a great way to spinning it and looking at it. Right. And it just sucked me in. Right. And so when you, when you wrote, wrote this book and he came up with this book called eat it, you, um, I was like, I got to get it because I know this is going to be the first book out of any diet book, nutrition book I ever read, a fitness book I've ever read, that's going to be no bullshit. It's going to provide all the information you need and you're going to trim out all the bullshit. So it's just going to be all, it's just going to be the information that people need to know. That's it. No more, no less, the perfect amount. And it's just a breath of fresh air when it comes to fitness and diet books. So that's why I knew it was a must read. And then just knowing you and how genuine and like, you know, your shit. So first off, do you have any idea of how many copies you sold so far in two weeks? Uh, well, well over 15,000 at this point, which is a, a very, very cool. Very excited wow. about it. That we, is, we just got notified. We were, um, USA today and Washington post bestsellers, which was really exciting. Awesome, man. Congrats. That is, that is so cool. And talk to me a little bit about like, what, what is it like to write a book? Like, man, how did you like, plot that all out how did you like know what to put in what to take out i'm sure it's a huge you know process with your friend and like just talk about that journey yeah it's brutal to be honest with you <laughs> it's a, it's bet. a brutal brutal process um we were really lucky we got we got a great publisher harper collins they they were really uh they were very organized and straightforward and helped us with it but writing a book is is absolutely brutal to the point where I don't, I don't know if I'll do it again. So <laughs> like sort of checked that off the bucket list. Yeah. Um, but basically the, I'll say this, one of the things that lets me know we did it right is a lot of people have been telling us they've been able to read it in a day or two. Yeah. They've been able to read it in a day or two. And, and it was, like you said, it's, it's exactly what you need. It's, it's not a whole bunch of fluff. It's not a whole bunch of scientific terminology that you're not going to understand. It's, we just want to give you the actionable plan that you need in order to succeed and achieve your goals. Um, and ideally make you laugh and smile along the way. So when we were planning it out, I sort of looked at it as 
rather than writing towards thousands of people, I wanted to write to one person. That was most important. And if I'm writing to one person, I'm essentially going to speak to them like I would speak to a client of mine. So essentially the way that, that we organized it was, well, what does the client process look like? So for me, what I had when I was doing a lot of one-on-one coaching was I had a video course, uh, a 30-day video course that all of my clients would get. So once they signed up with me, they would get this 30-day video course, one, one new video every single day for 30 days. And it took me years to do this, but I was able to figure out which videos would they need at which times in the process. And so the very first video that they would, that they would receive, it was titled, You Can't Fuck This Up. And it was literally because what I realized was one of the main reasons people would give up or quit with their goals is just because they felt like they made a mistake. They felt like, you know, maybe they ate a bad food or they went on vacation and they ruined all their progress, whatever it is, they, they went out to dinner one night and they, they ate more than they should have. As soon as they feel like they fucked up, then they use that as a justification to quit. So I started sending that video first because once they can realize that they didn't fuck it up as long as they get right back on track, then they remove that justification to quit altogether. So more important than them knowing how many calories they should eat or how much protein or what their workout is or any of that, they need to have this mental backbone and foundation of understanding they can't screw this up unless they quit altogether. That's the only way they can fail. So that's why like that was the first thing in the book, because if you don't have that foundation, then you're not going to be able to understand that not, nothing will teach you will matter if you consistently end up quitting over and over and over again. So basically, the way we plotted it out was how do we interact with clients? How does that client interaction work? And how can we put this into a book so that literally every chapter, every section, every page, we're taking you through exactly how we would take you through if you were a one on one client of ours? Mm hmm. Yeah. And it reads just like that. Yeah. It's perfect. It's really perfect. So I'm going to go in and, and jump into a couple. I have like a couple blurbs that I'll actually read from the book and then we'll just kind of like jam on it and you kind of just give some more information, have some follow-up questions with some of the stuff. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. Yeah. So what are the, um, the first blurb I have here, I'm go ahead and read it. Um, the hardest part of losing weight, getting stronger and becoming healthier, isn't figuring out what to eat or finding the perfect workout plan or optimizing your macros. The hardest part is cultivating a mindset that allows you to believe in your ability to succeed and prevents you from quitting when you aren't losing weight as quickly as you would like. The truth is your progress will be slower than you want, and we aren't going to sugarcoat this. It will be difficult. But as long as you don't quit, you will succeed. It's not a question of if, only a matter of when. And with that, it's all about, and I love how it touches on the mindset, because at the end of the day, whether we achieve our goals or not, it's whether we believe we can or not. And, Correct. you know, I just had a client join the gym. We did our consultation and she pulled out her phone and she showed me a picture of um, this CrossFit athlete. Just, she's just jacked, right? Just looks amazing. And she's like, I want to look like her. I go, amazing. I go, do you think you could look like her? And she mm -hmm. goes, yeah, I think so. I go, perfect. Let's do it. Like, as soon as you believe you can do something, now you can just put your head and get to get to work, but you got to believe it first. So how does one develop the mindset around succeeding when it comes to dieting and reaching their goals? It, you know, like what are, has been your experience with working with people and developing that mindset right from the start? Yeah. So it's a really good question. And I just want to touch on this really quick. Cause sometimes when people hear someone say like, what's most important is that you believe in yourself. A lot of people think that sounds like hippy dippy or like, you know, just like, Oh yeah. Like too hardcore. You just got to believe but it, it's actually true and it is backed by research and it's backed by an overwhelming amount of research. And there's a term for it. It's called self-efficacy. And this is something it, it has, it's not just for fitness. This is in all aspects of life. This is in, in, for people who are, are trying to quit alcohol, maybe they're an alcoholic or they're, they're addicted to smoking cigarettes and they're trying to uh, 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 stop smoking cigarettes or quit drinking alcohol, whatever it is you can see that the people who believe in their ability to succeed, who have a higher level of self-efficacy are drastically more likely not only to succeed in that short-term event, but also long-term in, in like to maintain that habit forever. So this is, it's, it's not hippy dippy. It's not just like hardcore, like just got to believe like it's actually very real. If you believe you can achieve. Yeah, exactly. It sounds ridiculous and it sounds sort of obnoxious, but it is true. Um, the way that I explain it is, Imagine, I think I, I we even wrote about this in the book, but imagine if I told you that you had, um, like, let's say, let's say I, I said, if you spent uh, $10,000 on a lottery ticket today, you would have a 99% chance of winning the mega millions. Even if you didn't have any money, if I told you you had a 99% chance of winning, 
you would go to all of your friends, all of your family, you would raise those $10,000 so that you, you would put in an unbelievable amount of work to raise $10,000 in a matter of hours so that you could buy that lottery ticket because you essentially know you are going to win the mega millions. You could pay everyone back and, and plus interest, all this stuff. So you will go out of your way to raise those $10,000. Let's say you've got $100,000 in your bank account. And I say, if you spend $10,000 on a lottery ticket today, you've got a 10% chance of winning the Mega Millions. You might not take that $10,000, even though you have it in your bank account, all you have to do is withdraw it and then buy the, buy the ticket. You might not do that because you don't think your likelihood of winning is very high, right? So what this tells you is it, it's a very crude example explaining why it's so important to believe in yourself. Because if you do believe you're going to succeed, then let, using the fitness example, if you actually believe you're going to be able to lose weight and get stronger and like how your body looks and be healthy, well, now it's going to be more worthwhile for you to wake up early, go to the gym, uh, go to the grocery store, plan your meals out ahead of time. It will make more, more sense for you and, and be more realistic for you because you actually think you can do it. But if you've been trying and failing and trying and failing and trying and failing your whole life, and you don't actually believe you can succeed, and you've had people telling you you're a fat slob and you're a failure and it will never work, and that's the, the narrative in your head, well, then why would you ever try for more than a day? Why would you go out of your way to spend more money on groceries or to get up early to go to the gym? Or why would you do that if you don't think it's going to work anyway? So mm -hmm. this is why you need to believe in your ability to succeed. And so going sort of circling around back to your question is, well, how do you develop that? It's, it's different for everyone, but I'm going to speak to the person who is more similar to the person who's been trying and failing and trying and failing for years, the person who, who statistically has a very low self-efficacy. Um, with that person, it really comes from stacking up wins. And the way that you stack up wins is by doing small things at a time. So the, for me, the number one thing is just start walking every day, like just walk, just fucking get up and move. Um, the reason I choose this over, let's say, something nutritionally focused is because nutrition is much harder to actually get a hold of. It's much more difficult. And when you start looking at your nutrition, you're really going to probably start looking at the scale. And it's very easy for people to get really demotivated by the scale very quickly. And, and so, I mean, let's say, I don't know, you start focusing on nutrition and you decide you go for the apple. Well, great. You go for the apple, but you don't necessarily feel better. You still probably want the donut anyway. You're not going to weigh anything different just because you had that apple. But if you go walking, there are very real physiological changes that happen immediately. You immediately start to feel better. If you say, you know what, I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk. Oftentimes that will turn into a 30 minute walk just because you're already doing it. You'll feel more proud of yourself because you went for a 30 minute walk. You'll be excited. Your energy and mood will improve. And then you'll probably end up making better nutritional choices because now it's worth it because you actually went on that walk to begin with. So for me, and this is just one example, get someone doing relatively easy, small things to stack up wins over time. And these wins over time will get them to believe in themselves more. They'll start to lose weight. They'll start to make progress. And that's, what's going to facilitate a longer term success route for them. So it's, it's not about jumping into the most insanely intense program. It's not about doing a, doing like the optimal program. It's just about what can we do to get you to start making wins on a consistent daily basis. Mm -hmm. I love that spot on. And I love how it, like in the book, you talk about consistency goals versus weight loss goals. Right. And mm -hmm. I think that's so big because we have so many clients that come in that come become very tied to this number that they have in their head. And sometimes this number is just something that they, you know, like, um, when was the last time you weighed 120 pounds? Well, um, 25 years ago, pre three kids. Yeah. All right. You may not get back like, you know, like radical self-acceptance of being like, your body's not going to look like you did at 25 years old, pre three kids, you know, like a lot has changed in your life and they're getting tied to this number that they're just constantly being let down because it's, it's going to be a grind to get to that number instead yeah. of, instead of focusing on that weight loss number or those weight loss goals. Yeah. Focus on consistency. And like you kind of laid out in the book, right. Pull out the calendar. I love the old calendar trick, right? Like yeah. pull out the calendar, give yourself an X. If you get, if you do what you need to do that day and then give your, and then uh, give yourself like a, you know, red X or give yourself a different color to mark that you didn't do your stuff. Right. And we're like, we live that 80, 20 rule. And if you're going 80, 20, man, you're going to be moving in the right direction life is going to be great. It's, and now you just got to buy into just giving it time to get there. Um, and so I love that. And there's so many times where with clients, when we initially do our consultation, we chat goals and I always, um, you know, I like hearing people's big audacious goals. And then I kind of like to boil them down where, you know, talking about the little wins they're going to find in the gym first, where 
they're going to might even see a win in just their warmup where man, like this warmup used to kick my ass or holy cow, like look at my range of motion, or I can do yeah. this warmup, this one exercise, I could do it with like way more balance. And I don't have to like, have you walk me through it every time. Now I can just do it without thinking like we're going to experience so much, so many more little wins in your life than you are big ones. And it takes a lot of little ones to equal a big one. So let's just start focusing on the little guys, you know, and it's going to lead. If you just keep stacking, stacking little ones, you're going to get to that big one. So I love that consistency. And let's just focus on the consistency and the weight loss goal will happen if the consistency is there. 100%. So that's like fucking spot on with that. Um, now we're going into, I love your fat loss pyramid. I, I love it because one, right. It, it's got the overarching idea of consistency, right. And no matter where you're at in this pyramid, you got to be consistent. Right. Yep. But I love for the fact that at the bottom, it's the food you like. Right. Mm. And a lot of times when people, you know, a lot of clients I work with, when they, when they start their weight loss journey and, and getting healthier, they automatically think that they have to eliminate all the great foods they have to, you know, mm -hmm. that they love. Oh, I got to get rid of the donuts. I got to get rid of the ice cream. I can't have my beer on the weekend. I can't do X, Y, and Z. And that's maybe part of the reason as to why they don't fully commit to the process. And we had a client that said, um, did a consultation with them. And they said, you know, I put on some weight, blah, 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 blah. And the only way I lose weight is when I like really focus on eating salads and fruit implying that salads and fruit are not what they want to eat, but that's the only way they can lose weight. Right. And I'm like, so you're, you're, you're demonizing the salad and the fruit thinking that, that that's the only stuff you could eat. Like you, I'm like, and I asked her, well, what do you like eating? Well, she's like, well, like, you know, I love having like a pizza night with the family. And I love, you know, like if I meet up with some friends for brunch, we, you know, they have really good donuts there. And I really want one of their like, you know, sweet potato donuts. And I was like, awesome, fucking eat it. Like, I love pizza and I love donuts. Right. And she was just like, really? Like you eat that stuff? Like looked at me as if I'm like, I don't touch sugar or pizza or burgers and stuff. And I'm like, absolutely. I eat that stuff. And she's like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, like you don't have to just eat salads and fruit to lose weight. And it was just funny. Like this light bulb went off, like just like, holy cow. And so that's why I love the fat, your, the fat loss food pyramid, because your first step of the pyramid is, is, you know, the foods you like, we're not yeah. cutting out the food you like. So, um, I, I just love that. And then it goes into obviously our caloric intake into the protein, into carbs and fat. So I just, I love the fat loss pyramid and, um, you know, and talk, talk to me a little bit about your background with like using that fat loss pyramid and, and how you kind of came to develop it and to, you know, put that the food you like at the bottom. Why was that so important to you? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's one of those things where sort of like you just said, if, um, if someone doesn't like the foods they're eating, how long do you really think they're gonna be able to sustain it? Mm -hmm. And, and the reality is like anybody can lose weight. It's not hard to lose weight. It's very hard to keep the weight off. That's what people struggle with. And this is again, in the research, very clear, like anybody can lose weight. And I bet basically everybody listening has done something in which they're, they've been able to lose weight pretty quickly. But if you weren't able to keep it off, then were you successful? It's, uh, it's actually very interesting. So if you look at research around um, the brain activity of gamblers, what's very interesting, and this, is, this actually blew me away when I first saw this. When you look at, when people who are like addicted to gambling, uh, which is, it's a real illness, by the way, like it's, it's fucking, which that we could go into the whole topic of like food addiction. And a lot of yeah. people say, you know, you can't be addicted to food, da, 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 but it's like, there are other addictions that are not necessarily physiological, like gambling being one of them. Um, but it's a real fucking problem. And if you look at people who are addicted to gambling, their brain response, whether they win or almost win is nearly identical. Wow. So you could take someone who has won their gambling has spent like won a lot of money or they've almost won. They still didn't win. They lost, but they almost won. The brain response is almost identical. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like this, this, like I get chills, my hair stands up just, just talking about it because this is what happens with people who, who successfully lose weight or almost successfully lose weight. Right. Oh, Where it's yeah. like they, uh, they, they, uh, someone loses weight and then keeps it off versus someone who loses weight and then doesn't keep it off. Like they almost did it, but the person, all they remember is that they lost weight. They don't remember that. Then they gained it back and then some, and then, so they always go back to, well, what helped me lose the weight without thinking about, well, why didn't you keep it off? Clearly yeah. this didn't actually work. And so, so for me, this is why it's so, so, so important to have something that with the foundation of you have to have foods you like. 
It, the majority of your diet has to be foods you like. Now that doesn't mean the majority of your diet should be donuts and Twinkies. Cause like, that's fucking ridiculous. Like you should not be just drinking, don eating donuts and Twinkies. Like the majority of your diet should be whole minimally processed foods, lots of fruits and vegetables, lean proteins, blah, blah, blah. But you're a fucking adult and you should be able to find foods that you enjoy that also fit into the minimally processed uh, uh, ideology, right? You should be able to fit, like find like, I don't know, sweet potatoes, great. White potatoes, also great. Brown rice, great. White rice, also great. Eat whatever one you want. They're both fucking awesome. Just make sure that you have the foods that you enjoy. And then for the 20% of the things, like you can have the donuts and the Twinkies, whatever, the Pop-Tarts, whatever it is you want. But no matter what you do, you should still only eat the foods that you like. So for example, I, I'm not that picky of an eater, but like I fucking hate squid. Like I hate it. I, I don't like it. I hate the texture. Like, and the reason it sounds like very like out there, like why would he say squid? Cause I basically like everything. Like I'm very not picky eater, but squid is the one thing that I'm like, Oh, like I'm not like I, and I love sushi and I love all these other foods, but squid, the texture of it is just, bleh. if I was told that I have to eat squid in order to lose weight, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to succeed because I would feel like the only way I'm going to do this is eat this one food that I fucking hate. So I don't, if you don't like cabbage, then don't eat cabbage. I don't know. Go have uh, uh, spinach instead. Like if you don't like spinach, then go have uh, arugula. I don't care, but like find something that you actually enjoy. That's it. That you have to have foods that you actually enjoy that you can fit into your overall diet because that's, what's going to promote consistency. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, it's so crazy when, you know, I was, I had some like, you know, people I know, I wouldn't necessarily call them friends, but they were going through this, you know, macros and they were just eating like cupcakes and donuts all of a sudden because it fits in my macros. And I'm like, well, it does like, but at the end of the day, like, could you feel better? Cause they weren't like, they weren't feeling that good, but they were just eating in order to get their macros. And I'm like, well, you could still get your macros and not like crush all these like donuts all the time, like do it in a more sustainable way. You're going to feel better. Yeah. And they're like, oh, but it's so much easier just to eat the donut. I'm like, all right, well, then I'm done talking to you because you're, <laughs> you're, you just told me you're looking for the easy route, right? Um, so yeah, I absolutely love that. And it was funny because um, you know, I was watching uh, right before we hopped on the podcast, you had me to post about you know um, a, a reel talking about you know I deserve, oh, yeah. right? And yeah. I know that's what I think a big times people run into with their dieting is that they're emotional eaters. They, you know, when it comes to a stressful day or the day just didn't go as well, or they got shit on at work or something, you, you, you think you deserve something, right? I could, I deserve to have four glasses of wine tonight or to go get the brownie skillet from the local restaurant or whatever that may be, which there's a local restaurant here in Madison. If you're ever here in Madison for other reason, sounds amazing. <laughs> they have a, they have a brownie skillet that, oh, it's to die for me. And my wife will like eat dinner at home and be like, do you want to go over and get that brownie skillet? <laughs> Hell yeah. Let's go get that brownie skillet. So um, great, great spot to check out. Um, well, anyways, and so they, um, oh, shit, I lost my train of thought on what I was talking about. The deserve, uh, the deserve. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you're real about deserving it. Yeah. And, um, and you're just like, I just made me laugh. Cause you're like every, you're a human. So just by being, you being a human, you deserve to eat whatever Correct. you want to eat. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like now is, and we always say this and you kind of said it too, is like, what, what would your future self thank you for? I always pose that question to people, you know, like if you're running into an issue, ask yourself, what would your future self thank you for? Yep. Would your future self thank you for going through the drive-through or like swinging by the grocery store and grabbing something that you could just throw together really quick, you know, and in eight hours, would your future self is your future self would say, Hey, thank you so much for going to the grocery store, then swing by the grocery store. And, you know, it's just asking yourself, maybe those, just that quick check-in of just like, what are you going to be able to go to sleep at night? And are you going to be proud of yourself? And Correct. that's exactly what we hit on. And it's just like a perfect, a perfect little reel. Um, and made me think of that. So yeah, it's like at the end of the day, like no food is bad food. It's just whether or not it doesn't align with where you're trying to go in your goals. Correct. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. All right. So moving on here. Um, you know, now I want to kind of jump into a little bit of like, how do we get, so obviously there's a huge disconnect and we chatted about this before, I think we pressed record um, about, you know, this, oh, actually you're chatting about, about like our knowledge, right? Knowledge is, everyone knows the knowledge. I kind of let clients know, like if I'm going to McDonald's and I knock on all the windows of the cars in the drive-thru, like, and I ask them, Hey, do you think this is the best decision you could be making right now? Everyone's going to say no, right? Like Correct. they know that it, they could be making a better decision. Um, so knowledge is not the issue. Um, but at a certain point, like, I feel like there's a huge disconnect where people are just forgetting how to take care of ourselves. 
Mm. Like, you know, or not forgetting, you just don't know in the first place. And where do we start to inform people how to take care of themselves when it comes to nutrition and moving their body? You know, just start at the school level. Like when I remember going through, you know, grade school and high school, I don't remember ever being taught how to, you know, what macronutrients were or what calories mean and all that stuff. It was very confusing. So does it start there in the school system? And, and how about at home? Um, and, you know, where do we think we need to really kind of like start to inform people? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. There's a lot of nuance to it and depth to it. Um, I mean, I remember learning about it, but I was taught with via supersize me with that, that oh, yeah. documentary. <laughs> and like, they're sh- still showing that in schools today. And it's, it's, yeah. that's caused more disordered eating habits than, than I think it's done any good. Um, and that's actually why I ate one Big Mac a day every day for 30 days and oh, uh, okay. made a whole documentary about it. And I lost seven pounds in the process to show that like, you can include your favorite foods and still lose weight um, and still be healthy as well. So, you know, I think the major issue is there's so much conflicting advice. So, I mean, I just got a DM, it was today or yesterday, someone was saying that their, uh, their child is learning about nutrition in school, but the school is teaching them that there are good foods and bad foods. How do I approach this? So it's like, you know, I, I would love to say schools should teach about nutrition, but like, there's a lot of stupid nutrition advice that, that people are teaching both in school and on social media. Um, but let's assume that everyone has science-based, well-intentioned nutrition advice. I think it should start in school for sure. Um, I think that starting with just what are macronutrients, what are calories, just teaching them about that. Um, not, I, and I think when people hear me say that, a lot of them get really like triggered about it. I am so triggered by you talking. Like, no, it doesn't have to do with anything about weight loss, but we should give them knowledge about what food is and what it's made up of. If you have no problem with talking like science class and biology, like we can talk about this stuff with just these clear, simple fact-based discussions. Like this is what a calorie is. This is what it does. There's more to a calorie than weight gain and weight loss. It also gives your body energy. It's what you need in order to survive. Like, so there are many discussions that we can have. Protein is not just for keeping you full. It's also for building muscle. It's like, it's all, it has the highest thermogenic, thermogenic effect. Uh, carbohydrates are, are not evil. Like you can eat them and not just because of weight loss or weight gain, but also because it fuels your performance on the field. Fats are super important for your hormones and so that you can function properly and think properly and sleep well. And it's like, there are so many aspects of these foods and these macronutrients that we need to discuss and kids need to learn. And it's actually, I think, if you don't teach them this stuff and separate it from weight loss, then eventually they're going to hear it somewhere and they're going to assume that it only has to do with weight loss. But yep. if you start teaching them early on in life, but like, hey, there, here's food. There are many components to it. There are cultural aspects to it. There are religious aspects to it. There are performance aspects to it. There is nostalgic aspects to it. Like there's so many aspects to food outside of simply weight loss that I think we need to teach them about it early on so that they know it's not just about that. Um, teaching them about allergies, teaching them about like different diets for based on different cultures and where you live in the world, geography, how the people who live in Alaska might have a very different diet than people who live in Japan, purely based on where they live in the climate and what they have available to them. So these are all things I think we should learn in school. I think at home, a a lot of parents uh, get really worried about, uh, about, especially if the parent is trying to lose weight about sort of the effect that's having on the child. And so they'll try and hide that maybe they're weighing and measuring food. And and I'll always say like, well, let me ask you this. When you cook a recipe, when you're cooking a meal and you're weighing and measuring the meal out for the recipe, like, do you feel bad about that? And they're like, no. Like, so why the fuck does it feel weird if you're weighing and measuring your portion size? It's not about the, the weighing and measuring. It's about how you're framing it. So if you're saying like, oh, like mommy's been really bad. So I need, and I need to lose weight because I'm not attractive anymore. That's a really fucking bad message to send to your daughter. <laughs> yeah. But if you're saying, oh no, mommy's measuring this because she wants to make sure that she's getting enough food to support her goals, to support her body, to make sure she's feeding it enough. Well, that's amazing in the same way that mommy's also weighing this so that to make sure that the recipe comes out tasty and really good, like it's the same thing. It's the same action, but for a different goal. So it's about how you frame it. So I very much think these should be parts of the discussion at home. Now, there's also a a question I get a lot, like, how do you help improve someone like your child's relationship with food? This is a very difficult question. Um, And you could have like, like I have a a kid on the way. I have a baby girl on the way. She's going to be doing about six weeks, uh, God willing. Right. So 
one of the things like I could have all of the most amazing knowledge and the best teaching tools, but just because I have all of this knowledge does not, does not mean that my daughter couldn't develop an issue with food. There are so many other factors influencing her throughout her life, not just me. So, I mean, I hope that doesn't happen. And I hope no one ever has these like real disordered relationships with food, but you also have to remember you could do everything right and still like have a real issue. You could do everything right. And your child could be like a, a really, like they could be a murderer, right? Like you could do yeah. everything right. And your child could still, <laughs> and this is why it's funny. Like my mom will never take credit for my success ever. And I, and when I was younger, I'd always be like, I'd, I'd always like thank my mom and she'd be like, don't thank me. And I'd be like, well, why not? And she'd be like, cause if you fuck up, I'm not taking credit for that. So, so like, I, and I always, I laugh, but like, it's good because, you know, it, it's on me. Like she's done as much as she could, but like, it, you know, there are so many other factors affecting the decisions I make and, and what happens to me mentally and emotionally. So you could do everything right. And your child could still have an issue. And so the best thing you can do is be a, a great example for what you'd like them to model. But no matter what you do, like it, you can just do your best and that's it. And how you frame things is very important. And what you do is very important. How you speak to them is very important. But when it comes down to it, they're their own unique individual and they're going to have to, you know, there will be times where they have to fall down, scrape their knees and get up and figure it out for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I have a client example where we were, I had a client who um, their son was joining the gym and the, the son, the 12 year old, he didn't want to join the gym. He's 12 years old, right? Like how many kids want a personal training gym membership? He just wants to be like playing with his friends and like fucking yeah. off. Like what like we all should. want to do. Yeah, exactly. At 12 years old. And so I could tell that he was already like being dragged into the gym. Right. And then, you know, we, we, I chat with them and I just try to make them laugh and smile and let them know what we're going to be doing in the gym. We're going to have some fun. Right. And I'm going to like, and just to get him to maybe see if like, oh yeah, you know what? Tom's cool. And like, you know, this could be something I'm really interested in. And, um, and then, the, the, we're done with the consultation and the family was walking out of the gym and the, the mom, let the husband take the son and say, Hey, don't go. I'm going to talk to Tom here for a second. And she goes, Hey, can you please, you know, my son, he's overweight. Can you please talk to him about healthy eating? You know, he's 12 years old. Right. And I was like, and I said, Hey, let's me and you schedule a time to talk. She goes, Oh no, no. I want you to talk to him. And I go, you're like, no, the no, mother. No, you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, like I need to talk. I'm like, go, he's 12 years old. I go, I asked her, I go, is he, is he going to the grocery store and, and buying the groceries? Well, no, I do that. Oh, is he, you know, the, can he get a car and just like drive to a fast yeah. food place and just eat all the fast food he wants? Well, no, I got to take him there. And as I'm saying and asking these, these questions, kind of that light bulb went off. Like, yeah, he's 12 years old. Like he, he's only eating what's, what's around his environment, like what right. you're feeding him and your relationship with food and stuff like that. And it just really made sense. It's like, she's like, wow, I actually need to inform myself and mm. I need to have a better relationship with food. And I need to understand that, like what I've been saying to him about food, like, oh, you shouldn't eat that. That's, you know, you're going to like, you know, it's a little bit too much. And she was realizing that like, wow, like this is on me. Yeah. And, um, and it just was a really big, like, aha moment for her and um and the kid just wasn't and at the end of the day the kid you know he trained with us for a few months and he realized that like he didn't want to do this it wasn't yeah. you know you know at the end of the day when somebody joins the gym if they're being dragged in by a significant other or like their their kids or you know they have to want this themselves first and like and that's always I ask people like is this something that you want because it's if somebody's pushing you in the door and telling you hey go talk to orange shoot on the road like um, it's never going to work out, but yeah, I just, I think I hope, hopefully that mom, um, realized and maybe she's, you know, being able to find some information and, and go about that. But that was just a really kind of like, you know, shocking moment for me just to like hear that she believes that it's her 12 year olds, you know, like responsibility. Yeah. It was just really, really kind of opening. So, all right, Jordan. So what we'll do, man, we're going to finish it off here with like some fun questions, right? So, um, I, everybody that I like to talk to, I actually have some, some, you know, common questions because it, I think helps people kind of connect with you a little bit more. Um, and the first one I like to ask is, uh, if you had access to a billboard for everybody in the world to see, I stole this question from Timothy Ferris. He asked okay. this question and like, um, I think tribe of mentors and stuff. He asked yeah, that. Yeah. And, um, he asked like, there was a billboard. You could put anything on the billboard for the world to see. What would it say? What would you put on it? Hmm. Um, that's a good question you asked me at different points in my life, I would probably give different answers, but, um, something to the effect of like, relax, don't take life so seriously. Just mm -hmm. like, just breathe, enjoy, yeah. you know, just, just take a minute and like, whatever you're going through right now, it's going to be okay. 
that that type of a thing. Um, mm-hmm. I just think so many people, especially in the world of social media, get so riled up at like the teeniest, tiniest posts and comments mm-hmm. and everyone's offended by everything nowadays and it ruins yeah. their day. Just like, just fucking relax. Mm-hmm. Go outside, walk, walk on the grass with your bare feet, hang out, get some sun. I, I don't know, just relax, take a deep mm-hmm. breath. It's, it's not a big deal. So that, yeah. that's probably what I would, that general message is what I would put up. And I'm sure you probably have to practice that a lot being as social, being as active on social media as you are. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you share some of the, just the nasty stuff you get from people <laughs> that are like, I just can't believe people say some of the stuff they say. Um, it's just jaw dropping. Um, and I wanted to touch on that, like, you know, because you are so active on social media and, and there are a lot of just really mean people out there that, and a lot of times it's probably just cause they're going through some bad stuff and that's how they're poor, you know, they're just not happy with themselves, but how do you deal with, you know, some of the, the negative feedback and, and comments that you have received over the years of just being so active on social media and, and what about it has kept you on social media? You know, I know some people after receiving some of that stuff, would just be like, you know what, I'm like, I'm inviting this. Like how can, and maybe I'm just going to be done with this, you know, and what's kind of kept you going. And then how have you responded to some of that stuff and just kind of let it like, cause some of the stuff is pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. Some of it's devastating. Um, I was way worse at dealing with it when I was younger and my audience started to grow and I was new to it. Like I just, I couldn't believe some of the shit people would say. Um, and you know, I would debate people and I'd get mad and, and like, it would ruin my week. It would just like, it would take up my entire headspace. Um, now, you know, I've been doing it for many, many years and, you know, there are still times where I struggle, but the vast majority of times it's, it's like, uh, I think here, here's the way I phrase it. The first time a doctor loses a patient that, that potentially could have been saved. Um, they're devastated. They're absolutely devastated. Maybe they have to take a few days off, like they're crying, whatever, but the more they do it, the more they, they uh, are a doctor and they see some really awful things, the more desensitized to it they become and the more they can just get right back to work. It doesn't mean they don't care about it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't bother them at all, but they're more desensitized to it and they can still get right back to work and focus on what they need to focus on. That's sort of how I, how I sort of uh, relate to this. Obviously, I'm not a doctor and I'm not necessarily like saving lives in an ER or anything, but- You kind of uh, are though. We talked about <laughs> it before, you know, with that message you yeah. got online, man, it's- pretty cool. It's, it's more, I just become desensitized to it. And I feel bad because I think part of it, I think is naturally, but also I think it's where I grew up. You know, I grew up outside Boston. People don't give a fuck in Boston. Like, like they're so straightforward and they're so just like, fuck you mother. Like you just, it's part of life. They just, they're not like the, the nice, sweet coddling. It's just not the Midwest. That's for sure. No, it's not the Midwest. It's not, it's not the West coast at all. Uh, And that's sort of my attitude as well. It's just like, it's say it like it is. So I think I was sort of born and bred with that tough skin. And I know there, there are people who've committed suicide because of the, the bullying that they've gotten online and the mean things they've gotten online. And I'm very blessed and grateful that I have that tough skin, but I know not everyone does. So like, it, it can be brutal. It really, really can. But it just, for me, it's just, I just got desensitized to it. And, and the reason I've been able to keep going is because I saw how much positive impact I've been having on people. And that was, that was worth the, the negatives of it. Yeah, absolutely. The positive completely outweighs the negative. And yeah, for sure. Um, who do you look up to for inspiration or follow, right? For just, you know, for you kind of continuing education or just mm-hmm. in life, right? It doesn't have to be anything with your career or anything like that, but who do you like to look up to for inspiration and, or maybe even follow on social media that you just really look up to? Yeah. So I love stand up comedy. Like I, mm. I, love stand-up comedy and i think stand-up comedians in this day and age are just under so much scrutiny oh man it so much hate cancel culture oh, and they the have worst. to you have to like tiptoe yeah 100 percent. so for me i mean three of my favorite stand-up comics are dave chappelle bill burr and andrew schultz and one of the reasons i love these guys is because not only are they fucking hilarious and not only do they not give a shit but they're so smart and they bring mm. up some very controversial topics in such a nuanced way. And they really do educate people through comedy. And so those three guys, and there are many others, but those three are my absolute favorites because they, they don't give a shit. They say anything they want. And I don't agree with all of it, but I respect it. Like I yeah. respect everything. I respect their attitude. I respect that they don't give a shit. Um, so yeah, those three, Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr, Andrew Schultz, like I fucking love those guys. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I love following you is because you kind of have that same mentality, right? Like you could follow me or unfollow me. I don't care. I'm here to be authentically me. And yeah. whether you like that or not, because I know people will message you and say like, oh, you swear too much. 
Um, I follow a guy um, with just being a gym owner and stuff, uh, Stu Bauer. He was WTF Gym Talk. Okay. Right. And he um, is just like a you know consultant for gyms. He has got a great social handle um, and he just puts out a ton of knowledge, helping gyms just like just be better. Right. Make more money, mm-hmm. have better client relations, you know, more client leads um, and helped a ton of people get through the covid pandemic. So they didn't have to shut down their gyms. And he did it all with a bunch of free knowledge on his social media like you. Right. Like there's so much stuff you can learn. And, um, and he's just authentically himself too, just dropping F-bombs and just like himself. But that's the reason I'm attracted to him. Right. And listen to him is because he's just him. He's just him. He's just, he's just Stu. Right. And you're just Jordan. And like, you have fun with it. And so many people just get so butthurt over it. And like, I was, uh, Stu's doing a thing right now. Hey, can some, can you guys leave me a review on my Apple and Spotify podcast? If you do, I'll pick random people every single week and I'll do a 10 minute like phone call with you and help you answer any questions you have about your business. I'll do my best you know so yeah it's a great way to get some reviews and someone gave him like a one-star review uh the swearing's a little over the top all right give him some constructive feedback like (laughs) come on right like like all right well just then unfollow him like if you don't like his swearing then just click unfollow but like you saying that you don't like his swearing and giving him a one-star feedback is like come on like yeah it's it's ridiculous but yeah like stand-up comedies like i used to love cat williams you know, oh, yeah, back in the day, yeah. Martin Lawrence, Chris Rock, oh, like so all those good. guys, Chris Tucker, right? Oh, and yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. you know, with him and Jackie Chan and the, um, <laughs> what were the movies? Um, Rush Hour. Rush, Rush Hour. Hour, yeah. Rush so Hour good. 1, Rush Hour 2, like just hilarious movies. Never and- touch a black man radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <exactly. laughs> like, never touch a Chinese man radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And man, those those movies were just so funny. And, um, but yeah, comedy, it just, you listen to like Cat Williams or Martin Lawrence and stuff now or like, or listen to their stuff in the past. And you're like, Oh, like that would never fly now. Correct. And people are jumping all over everyone's backs for saying stuff. And now like Dave Chappelle, like getting canceled off Netflix and all this stuff are like, but if people, like you said, if they would just actually listen to yes. what they were saying and not being so triggered so fast, you would actually realize like where they stand and they probably stand in the same position as you do on the situation. They're just doing it in a different light. And, and just even if so they quick. don't stand in the same position as you, it doesn't make them evil. No, right. Like exactly. This, that's, like that's the biggest that's thing. That's how we learn. We've been, we've been, it's so funny. People think, hear the word propaganda and they think about something like the Holocaust and how like propaganda was used. And number one, the Holocaust was like 75, 80 years ago, not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they don't think that they're being influenced by propaganda right now. And you are, you are, like, if you're on social media, like you are being influenced by propaganda and both sides are trying to make it seem like the other side is evil. Right. We, we see this and we could get in a Roe v. Wade, but like we, we see like both sides are made to believe the other side is pure evil. Mm-hmm. It's not the case. Like <laughs> it's not the, that the other side is simply pure evil at all. It's they both want to they, the one side is like really concerned about the life of the mother. And the other side is really concerned about the life of the child. And it, they're all concerned about humans. That's it. Like, it's all about, I just want to protect humans. And when you understand that it's not about evil, it's about just like, where is their priority in terms of they like, which person are they caring more about essentially? It's like, then you can actually have a constructive conversation with them and understand like, oh, I understand where you're coming from. I disagree with you, but that's okay. Cause I understand where you're coming from and, and propaganda and social media and like, doesn't want you to understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there needs to be so much more just like conversation and more agreeing to disagree. Like, cool. Yeah. I get it, man. I get where you're at. Like, cool. I don't agree, but like, awesome. Like, we're still good friends and let's move on, right? Let's go Correct. have a beer. Like, you know, it, like people get so defensive. And I remember I went and actually saw Dave Chappelle. He was in Madison years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, hell yeah, I get to see him live in my hometown. Like, I'm definitely going to go see Dave Chappelle. Me and my friend went, saw Dave Chappelle, and like midway through his show, like somebody like stood up, pissed off at something he said, and started walking out. And Dave Chappelle just called him out right on the spot, like, "Hey man, thanks for your money, right? Like, you know, like, you know, like, hey everyone, there's an open seat three rows in front of you, like you can get closer to the stage, right? And like, he's like, you, and then he's like, you know what? He's like, guys, you know, coming to this show, who I am. If you don't, yeah. then like, what are you doing here? but you know, I'm going to say some shit. Like, and I was just like, yeah, I can't believe somebody would just like walk out and like get all mad at him and like flipped him off. And when he, as they're walking out and I was just like, and they're, they're fine with all the jokes they're making until it's something about them. Yes, right. Like yes, they're yeah. fine making fun of everyone else and all the other people. But once it's something that hits home with them, now it's not okay. Shut mm-hmm. the fuck up. 
If, yeah. if you're okay with making fun of other people in other situations, but as yeah. soon as it, you don't like it when it's about you, you're the problem. It's like the, it's like the mean kid on the playground, right? It's like, yeah. you know, so, so soon as someone else is bigger on the block and starts pushing back on him now, you know, he gets all, you know, exactly. starts crying and get all mad, right? It's, it just doesn't work that life doesn't work that way. Um, all right, we'll finish up one last question here, man. Um, what are you currently reading and watching? Um, so, so I gotta, I gotta jump off real quick, but, um, yeah. my, my, the most recent book I got, I was on at the airport. It's called fake history. Uh, I believe it's got by, by a guy named Otto English, uh, just making my way through it. I've read the first couple of chapters and I actually really like it. I don't agree with how he's phrasing certain things. Uh, he has a very clear bias. Um, but it is very interesting. So uh, I, I'm a history buff. I love history. Like I, I like really enjoy it. So, um, that's what I'm, I'm reading right now. Awesome, and then man. also I started watching the terminal list last oh, night. Holy fire. Shit. So good. So Holy good. I read the, the author, Jack Hard, Navy seal. I, I started uh, follow, follow his podcast and um, I read all his books. And as soon as I finished the series, there's five of them. I saw that P Chris Pratt was going to be doing the oh. terminal list. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. they did such a great job of making the book true. And it was just, yeah. yeah, enjoy, yeah. man. Enjoy that. <laughs> I, I just finished it yesterday. Um, absolutely. A, a, a awesome, awesome show. So, all right, Jordan, man, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy man. And, uh, I just want to say congratulations on the book again. Thank awesome you. job. You killed it. You hit it out of the park. I hope this thing sells a million copies. This is <laughs> going to be my go-to like book recommendation to anybody who's ever like joining our gym in general. They're going to get a copy of this. They're going to read it. Right. And, um, this is going to be a recommendation to anybody coaches, things like that for somebody starting their weight loss journey, or just wants to be healthier and just wants to learn the no bullshit approach to it. Um, this is the go-to. So you guys knocked this out of the park. So proud of you and your friend. And, um, you got a, you know, for life supporter here, man, and everything that you do. And, um, just just thank you so much for um, just taking the time out just to chat with me, share your knowledge and um, yeah, just spend some time. Thank you, man. You're, you're a great host. Thank you for your service. I, I appreciate everything that you do. And uh, if I can ever come back on, I would more than, I'd be more than happy to. All right. Thanks a lot, Jordan, man. Have a great rest of your day. Have a good one, man. As always, thank you so much for listening, everybody. I really appreciate every listen that I get. With that being said, if you have any feedback or any questions you would like answered on future episodes, please use the link in the bio above to submit me a quick little voice message you could do right from your phone. I would love to hear from you. So thank you so much again for listening and have a great rest of your day.